Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, we've got plenty of stuff to get to. We've got some news. We've got some returning player profiles. And then in the back half of the show, we actually have a recruit prospect in Skylar Bell joining the show. Uh, Three-star kid out of Connecticut. Still Uh, Not a commit yet. Wisconsin is in the running, along with Iowa, Northwestern, Virginia Tech, and a few other schools. So Skyler's going to join us, talk about his recruitment, talk about his virtual visit to Madison, uh, and things like that. So we hope you guys enjoy the interview. If you haven't already listened to it, we had a very uh, special interview with Adam Crumholz last week, uh, talking about what's going on in the country, how you can help some local levels to help promote some social change in the area. Uh, So if you haven't listened to that one, I think it was great. So make sure to go back and listen to that one from last Friday. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. I'm excited to talk a little Badger sports and and knock out a few more of our returning profiles. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. I think uh, people will really like uh, what we get to today, and uh, I think the interview will go really well. Uh, with Skylar, so I think people will be very much interested. But if you're ready, we'll hop right into our news of the day. Here's what's happening. All right, guys, we've got some news to go over, some fun stuff and some uh, serious, I guess not serious stuff, but serious in terms of important uh, players for Wisconsin football back to workouts today. Uh, But much of the 2020 class has returned to campus as well. So a lot of guys uh, tweeting out the uh, pin emoji, uh, saying that they're back on campus, ready to get started. Saw Cam Large and a few others. So exciting for, you know, when you talk about these these kids and these prospects that eventually make their commitment, it's kind of a long few months until they get onto campus. But now the guys that you've been talking about for sometimes two or three years when they start out as, you know, getting an offer to prospects, to commitments, to finally on campus, uh, so it's exciting to see some of these guys getting their first steps uh, under the under their belts and, and on to uh, Madison because a few months ago it, it seemed like we weren't sure when that was going to happen. But, Matt, what do you make of uh, the, the not only the entire group but the younger group getting back onto campus as well? I think for me the big thing is just exciting that uh, things are going uh, according to the normal timeline, that this is when you would normally expect – uh, freshman kind of to, to to get there. This is about the time where you'd be having the workouts. Um, so things are, are kind of falling in line of what you'd want um, to to push towards a, a normal start of the season. Um, you know, you it's it's fun to to see kind of uh, roommate pair, pairings. You know, as we saw Max Lofi and uh, Jalen Berger, for example, are going to be rooming together. So it's just that's always kind of just a fun aspect of it. Uh, the little kind of subtle nuances of it. But uh, it also brings back memories of, you know, just going to college and remembering the whirlwind that was, you know, your first year and the first uh, times when you're, you know, you're setting up your room, you're doing all those things. So not only are are these guys having to do that, but then they're also going to be starting out with workouts here and and doing a lot of other pieces uh, football related. So it's an exciting time um, for um, the staff and the players that are coming back, it's 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 going to be crazy uh, 
few weeks here as they kind of settle back into this new normal that is college football. Yeah, most definitely. And you think about, you know, these these freshmen that are coming in, especially starting on time and starting with a somewhat, you know, relevance of normalcy is important because these are young guys that they've got enough on their plate already where if they were having to try and balance um, you know, a new thing or having to figure out and coordinate what's going on in terms of coronavirus, things like that. And of course, it'll be a little different for them than it would be for the freshmen last year. But trying to keep, you know, those younger kids, especially on a, on a pretty normal schedule is, is good. The last thing you know, you need to know or need to throw onto their plates is, is more stuff you know, that can confuse the mind and take it away from, you know, the academics and the football side of things. So, to have a, a relatively normal schedule for these underclassmen are is think like you mentioned they've got they've got enough pressure of figuring out some of these guys have been to Madison maybe once uh, or twice in in their you know recruitment so you, you don't know where everything is you're trying to get things figured out the same pressures that you and I felt just trying to figure out uh, how to find a classroom they're figuring out uh, ten times more with you know getting to practice getting to workouts things of that nature so. Uh, exciting time for a lot of those guys and exciting time for Wisconsin football fans as well because, like I said, you've, you've been watching some of these kids uh, you know, as they've grown up and into now college football players. It's exciting to see them, and I think just a, a trend in the right direction again for the college football season because we've been, been waiting, handle, you know, looking for things to you know, send it to the right direction, and thankfully I think we've gotten that, and it looks like college football is more and more on the way and maybe you know down the road here we'll we'll figure out what we're going to have for fans and setting but just an exciting time given uh, everything that's going on these last few weeks it's nice to have some positive news on the on the college football front for sure no doubt all right let's kick it over I don't know if you saw this but uh TJ Bowlers the Wisconsin's newest recruit uh four-star kid we talked about so if you guys are looking for some info on that go check it out but T.J. Bullish kind of stirring the pot uh, with some Wisconsin-Ohio State, basically uh, talking that you know maybe Wisconsin was – this was about to change once he got to school. I remember he tweeted out, uh, imagine being an Ohio State commit. So a little bit of fun, a little bit of jabs between the Wisconsin-Ohio State fan bases. But did you see that, and what did you make of uh, T.J. Bullish kind of stirring the pot with the Buckeyes? Yeah, I, I did see it. Um, you know, it was the old Sam Cassell running down the court uh, – with the with the nuts thing there, I was like, wow, um, you know, you've been committed for about a week now, and, and that's uh, that's some some big stuff to to bite off. So uh, I I approve it. I, I think it's great. I think it's it's telling about what these uh, you know that 2021 class is thinking and what their aspirations are. And anytime you want to uh, go to a playoff or you know fight for a national ch- title, you'd have to go through Ohio State. And so um, you know I think it's it's gonna be fascinating to watch. But I mean Ohio State has won the last eight, so it's not like uh, the Badgers have a lot to fall back upon uh, in recent terms of recent success. But um, I, I think it's all in fun, and, and I think that's that's great. That's a, that's the mindset you'd want a recruit. You don't want somebody coming in and thinking that you're a little brother before you're even on campus. So uh, it's it's definitely a, a all in fun, but it, but definitely funny to watch. It was one of those grab your popcorn and let's see how this unfolds. <laughs> yeah, certainly a bold claim for sure, especially when you have lost uh, the last eight in that series. But hey, maybe TJ Bowlers in this 2021 class is going to come in and and change that around and. You know, in, in terms of recruiting, uh, of course, this class has been in, on pace to be the best that they've ever had. So maybe they're trying to close that gap, and they're confident that they are, in fact, closing that gap. But until we see that on the field, 
Uh, it'll be something to watch for. But I, I think you, like you mentioned, kind of already, you have to love the confidence of this class. You know, they have they're a group that seems very close knit. I mean, we've talked about it before with the 2020 class. They were a close group of kids. It seemed like, but this 2021 class seems even even closer. Where these guys are in the group chat, I've seen a lot of stories. Uh, you know, coming across the Twitter timeline about these guys in the group chat. Uh, getting after players that haven't recruited already to try and get them there, you know, preaching that they were going to do something special. And I know every class wants that, thinks that, but this 2021 class really seems to have have a real big goal in mind, and they're excited to get on campus. And I'm excited to see what comes from them because you, if you're if you've got a recruit that is is smack talking a team like Ohio State that has whooped up on your program for a while, that means you've got some confidence that you're going to come in and and maybe change some things around in the Big Ten. And I'm excited to see the, the possibility of it because I I think I speak for all Badger fans, uh, especially on uh, you know on the football side, that it would be real nice to knock off Ohio State one of these, these times in the class of 2021, and I think that's the way you got to take it as you, as you see the, uh, the chatter back and forth that way. And speaking of Ohio State, uh, our last news story of the day, Ohio State, and, and similar, there's going to be probably the same thing going on at some other college football programs, but Ohio State put a waiver out to their players, essentially asking them to sign a coronavirus waiver, and I'm sure there's some more details in it that that, you know, we haven't, I haven't seen the waiver that they put out, but essentially it went out to players and family members for them to sign, and it sounds like that might be something that a lot of college football programs are going to be doing as we get started, but what did you make of that, and did you get a chance to see that storyline? Yeah, I did happen to to read about that, and and I I think you'd be silly not to have something similar going out to to players, uh, families, uh, things of that nature, just for lawsuit purposes. The last thing these teams want to be doing is um, putting players out there that a don't want to be out there or um, could be you know sue them because they weren't giving the everything up front and all of the information um, as much as possible. And I think if there's, if there's, even if there's fans this, this fall, that would be something that fans would have to be signing. I would assume something similar because the last thing that the university is going to want to do is have anything that could um, turn on them uh, with this. I, I mean, anybody going to a game or anybody playing football, which is a contact sport, you are right next to somebody, you are breathing on them. Um, you are, there's going to be fluids, sweats, you know, going, uh, there's, there's no actual way to, to do it unless you're doing a bubble boy hamster ball or something. So there's one of those things where I think this is something that will definitely take place across most campuses. I would just assume that Ohio State's one of the first to actually publicize that they're doing it or to, to make waves because they came out in the media. Rather, I think this is something that's, that's going on, and it and it's probably should go on uh, across most of the, the teams out there. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. I, I think Ohio State is probably uh, the, the first team to really get this going. I think uh, I read the article on CBS. It sounds like they aren't going to be the last by any stretch of the imagination that a lot of these players – um, are, are going to be, you know, hit with not hit with, uh, you know, with the challenge of of signing, but they're going to have to probably sign something similar as are, like you mentioned, with the fans, and and that's kind of how it's trending for for a lot of these big events uh, across the country and across the state, where I know a lot of people are worried about the liability uh, of having that, uh, you know, coronavirus in the back of the round, where something gets sick or somebody ha- something 
happens to someone that they they don't want to have to take responsibility for that and, and nor should they it's a it's a pandemic you're essentially if you're attending events like this and, and going about those certain things you're just kind of assuming assuming risk and liability that way so how that is going to play out even on the fan side is definitely going to be something to watch for because I, I think for you know you and I as younger people if you had to if you're going to a game this fall and you had to sign a waiver uh, some people would, but you know, sometimes with the, with the numbers that have came out for older ages, maybe some people uh, won't want to do that and won't want to assume that risk. So it's going to be interesting to see how you know we, we've talked about it some already on the show these past few weeks on how fans are going to be in the stadium because we are now looking like it's trending towards yes, there's going to be a season. Will there be fans? We're not sure how many fans. If there are, is going to be the next question after that. So. Something like this is probably going to play out on a, on a much bigger scale, but it was interesting to see that Ohio State, you know, kind of got out ahead of it and got a plan in place and and put those waivers out there to maybe get it out of the way and and get some of that distraction done. So these guys, when they start these workouts, like we've talked about with Wisconsin, they don't have to worry about things like that. They can just focus on playing football, which in a time like now is is something that's that's pretty hard to do. But I, I think we're going to see a lot more. But as we get going here. No doubt. Alrighty. You want to hop over to our returning uh, player profiles? We'll start off uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Let's talk about Jake Ferguson. Uh, we both have talked about him uh, at large on this show over the past few years, past few years, past few weeks. Uh, Jake Ferguson, kind of a guy that we both expect to have a much bigger role. Not that he had a small role last year, but was banged up a little bit earlier in the season, going to come back without Quintez Sivas, probably uh, in some regards going to be the number one target for Jack Cohn possibly. But what do you make of Jake Ferguson as he comes back uh, in 2020? Yeah, I think definitely, uh, you know, you, you highlighted some of those things. Being healthy, uh, you know, he had he had that thumb injury earlier in camp uh, last year. You saw Wisconsin not really be able to use uh, a lot of their normal 12 personnel or, or 22 personnel um, as much, so you you were you really had Jake Ferguson shouldering a bigger load at that tight end spot as as a blocker, um, and and that that takes a toll. You know, he he's a guy who I think is is really a talented tight end and, and has uh, the type of game that could easily get into into the league. Um, you know, he had a, a slight step down, you could say, in production, uh, about fifty less yards, two less touchdowns, and, and a, only a handful less catches, but. I think he's a guy who could easily um, end up with closer towards 50 receptions this year or in the mid-40s and, you know, 600 yards receiving and, and, uh, you know, half dozen touchdowns. I wouldn't be surprised by that in the slightest just because there is so much um, that is lost when you when you have Cephas and A.J. Taylor both departing. That's a lot of receptions. That's a lot of yards to account for. And and I think, you know, he's like, he's probably, in my eyes, he might be your most talented pass-catching threat that you have in, in terms of being a mismatch, given his size, given his, his blend of speed at, you know, 6'5", 250 or so. I think he's a guy that um, can be a nice security blanket for Jack Cohn, and, and he's really good um, at, at not only running through the seam, but also on those deep uh, out routes that um, Paul Christ uses so well um, when you have a wide receiver um, go deep and, and clear it for him. So I, I'm just fascinated to see kind of how he gets uh, a nice jump in production as long as he stays healthy and, and with – potentially uh, another tight end that you can work with that can also go out and pass um, 
in past uh, catching situations, um, like Cormac Sampson was pretty limited in that nature. Yeah, I think that's going to be a big part that will help is you've got other tight ends that you can maybe take some pressure off uh, in certain sets to take some attention, or a, a big receiver like Danny Davis maybe on the same side as Jake Ferguson where uh, you can run him deep and, and have, like you mentioned, with Jake Ferguson on an out route. You know, He had 33 receptions last year, which was still pretty good. Uh, you know, for a season, but I think Jacob Ferguson uh, for himself after 2018 having 36 kind of expected a jump in production last year. The injury, I think, maybe bothered him a little bit more despite him being out there uh, earlier in the season. It, I think it bothered him a little bit more where the, the coaching staff, too, wasn't maybe letting him go full bore versus this year. He's hopefully going to come in fully healthy and be a guy that puts up, uh, like you mentioned, in the 50s for receptions. I, I would not be surprised at that at all. Given the given the departure of, of Quintus Cephas and AJ Taylor, there's got to be a guy that's going to be your go-to. And I think Jake Ferguson, if you were putting down, you know, an odds-on favorite to to be the leader in terms of reception, I think he'll be right up there with with a Danny Davis. So I'm excited to see uh, what Jake Ferguson Ferguson can do, you know, on a fully healthy hand and and with uh, some good production. Because I think if him and Jack Cohn can really get uh, get a connection work, and we've seen how lethal those, you know, Jack Cohn can be when he's got a good connection with Quintez Tifas. If they can establish something similar with Jake Ferguson, I think the sky is really going to be the limit for those two in terms of their connection. Uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball now, uh, let's talk about Caden Lyles a little bit. Kid that earlier in his career was transitioned over the defensive line because the Badgers needed some help there. Back to the offensive line, seems to be a much more comfortable kid and, and spot for him in there, but what do you make of Caden Lyles as he comes back this fall? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be an offensive lineman that they're going to rely upon. He He's really a talented, athletic player. Uh, they think they really want him to be the center moving forward. I think that's a natural spot for him, given that he's not quite as as tall as a lot of the other guys. You know, he's about 6'3", um, but he's he is light of foot in there, but he's also very strong. I think, you know, he got four starts last year. I, I would anticipate that assuming he comes in um, some semblance of healthy, uh, he, he'll be probably your, your starting center. Um, but, but I think that's the key thing for him is if he can be healthy. You know, he, he played in a lot of games last year in addition to those four starts. But in the end, the, the number one thing for a player is going to be reliability. And the number one way to show that is to, to be on the field whenever you can. So uh, he, he's still coming back from injury. We're not totally sure where he's at with that. Um, at this point, but I, but I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be one of your starters. Um, I would anticipate that being at center, and I think he could have a really good year, and he's the type of talent that could, could easily go on to play in the NFL uh, after a, a few years uh, of taking on that center spot, but I, I think really it's going to come down to health with him at this point. Yeah, he's going to be a kid that if he's healthy and, and out there, he's going to be one that can. You know, you're certainly going to expect to be fully in the fold at, at one of those starting positions. And you know, given the departure of Tyler Biotish at that center position, it seems like a great spot where he would fit really well. Uh, but you've got to be healthy first, and that's going to be the the biggest thing that this the, that the coaching staff is going to be looking for with him as they get into the season. Uh, speaking of being healthy and uh, you know working his way back. Uh, into the fold and, and trying to get on the field when he's you know productive that way. Let's talk about Bryson Williams as we shift to the defensive side of, of the ball a little bit. Bryson Williams, similar situation coming back from injury, battled back a lot of injuries last season, came back for a little bit, uh, got banged up again. 
uh, allowed for the emergence of Keanu Benton, which is nice, and he had a great season and is probably going to be your starter, but Bryson Williams is going to come back uh, with a lot to prove because he was a big prospect uh, at the time of his recruitment. Hasn't really had you know uh, the best time at Madison given the injuries, but still a really talented player that if you could move uh, Williams and Benton uh, to, to work these two together, it could be a lethal uh, depth at the nose tackle position. But what do you make of Bryson Williams as he comes back this season? Yeah, I think Wisconsin has kind of the luxury, and Bryson has the luxury of not having to rush it back just because they do have um, Benton, who who really had a tremendous true freshman season. Um, you know, the year before that, it, it was Bryson Williams who had a tremendous freshman season, and I think I think that the battle between those two to figure out who's going to be playing and, and really working in is going to be big because they both bring a lot to the field. I, I think Bryson Williams, I wouldn't be surprised if um, – you know, maybe next year those two kind of rotate at that nose tackle position. Um, but then after Loudermilk and Rand are gone, and really Matt Henningsen will still be there, but I could see one of those two um, moving to that DN position to try to make it so that you've got your best uh, defensive lineman out there, whether that means that um, Benton or I'm guessing it wouldn't be Benton. I'm guessing it would be Bryson Williams. Maybe Bryson Williams loses a little weight and, and slides out to the end. Um, but I think I think it's a good problem to have at this point is is you want to have as many viable options along the defensive line as possible and and you look at you know the Badgers are deep there they've got Ram they've got Loudermilk they got Henningsen at at DN that's that's a good rotation there you add in a guy like Isaiah um, Mullins who who I think is is getting overshadowed because he is a tremendously strong kid who who will be having a future there too and you add in. Williams and Benson on the inside, and that's really good group. So I think I think right now the big thing for Williams is coming back healthy and coming back stronger. But I, I anticipate he will definitely have uh, have his his nose in there often on snaps uh, come fall. Yeah, most definitely, he's going to be a guy that uh, if he's healthy and and ready to go, it could be a really nice combo because you know Williams is a little lighter, a little smaller. Uh, or you could use him in certain packages, and Benton can be kind of your run stuffer uh, that you can use uh, in some other packages. So having depth on the defensive line is, is no problem to have uh, for the Badgers because we've seen Wisconsin teams of the past, defensive line hasn't always been the Badgers' strength. So to have depth not only at the nose tackle position with both of those two, but the guys you mentioned with, with Laudermilk, Rand, and, and Mullen, some of those group, to have depth on the defensive line is going to be a nice thing for, for Jim Leonard to be able to use, keep his guys healthy, uh, work some in. So depth is, is never an issue, and Jim Leonard will certainly take advantage of that, being able to rotate in a few different guys. And our final returning player profile, speaking of depth, uh, kind of works in well, and that's Colin Wilder. Depth in the secondary position already. Uh, we talked about Scott Nelson last week coming back at the safety position. Colin Wilder's a guy that uh, path of the field, you might not see as much of him this year. There, there's a lot of good safeties. Eric Burrell, uh, Scott Nelson is some, you know, Reggie Pearson, a lot of guys in that safety position. Colin Wilder is probably going to be battling to to get in some reps behind those guys. But what do you make of Wilder as he comes back this season? Yeah, I mean, I think I think he's a he's a luxury guy. He he's really a good player. He he had opportunities. He he played right away at Houston before he got injured, and I thought he showed out really well last year in a reserve role. Played in a lot of games, helped out in that Northwestern game, and played well um, when he had to start because of the targeting penalties to Burrell and Pearson. Um, I, I, I doubt that he's going to see quite as much time 
um, in that starting defense. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he sees a greater role on the special teams or, or maybe they put in packages where you could use Pearson, who, who's more of a bigger hitter, um, and maybe put him in more of a hybrid role, which, you know, kind of the positionless defenses that uh, have kind of grown in college football, that maybe they, they do something to get safeties out there more often because they're so deep. But I think Colin Wilder is, is a really talented player who, who's the type of guy you want on your team, especially if, if he's going to be one of your um, reserves. He, he's, he's phenomenal in that aspect, and I, I expect him to, to definitely make plays when he's out there, but um, to maybe not see quite as much playing time or PT as last year. Yeah, but like you said, a luxury guy where if something happens where Eric Burrell or Reggie Pearson, somebody goes, you know, from an ejection or an injury, anything like that, to have a guy in Colin Wilder that you can turn to who's played a lot of football, been on the field early in his career at another place, played some last year. Uh, if you if you have to pivot to a backup and, and Colin Wilder's your guy, there's a lot worse backups you can have with a lot less experience than Colin Wilder. So definitely going to be a guy on special teams that you'll see a lot of going to be a guy that provides some depth at the safety positions if you need him. Um, and, it's again, you know, similar to Bryson Williams, not a bad issue to have if you've got depth in the secondary because Jim Leonard likes to use a lot of different guys. He's going to have plenty of guys to work with uh, on all levels of his defense. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the podcast. We're going to go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get our, into our interview with Skylar Bell. All right, Badger fans, we are welcomed by a very special guest. Three-star wideout Skylar Bell. Uh, Badgers are recruiting him heavily. Uh, he's a very talented prospect that he's still waiting to make his decision. I know there's a few other schools in the running, but we wanted to have him on uh, and see some questions about his recruitment and everything like that. So, firstly, Skylar, thank you for joining us. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Very good. Very good. Well, we're happy to have you on as you – work towards your senior season and, of course, eventually your commitment to one of the schools that you're considering. Uh, before we get into that type of stuff, let's just talk about your game a little bit. Uh, I, I've seen some serious speed from you on your uh, 247 account, your huddle account, things like that, but what do you feel are, are some of the strengths of, of your game at the receiver position as you head into your senior season? I would say uh, my ability to, you know, use my athleticism and go up and get jump balls. Uh, obviously, my speed, like you mentioned before, um, I can, you know, take the top off of defenses. But, you know, uh, I think that my athleticism is probably the biggest part of my game because, you know, uh, I'm six foot and a half and, you know, I can go up and get, you know, jump balls, fades and post routes and things like that, which I think uh, sets me apart a little bit. Yeah, we've definitely seen uh... – if anybody follows you on Twitter, they can probably see your jumping ability as well, which is uh, phenomenal. Um, kind of on the flip side, what are you looking to improve upon before you you kind of make moves into your senior year? Uh, I would say I'm trying to improve my route running a, uh, a lot more, my tracking skills. Uh, those are two things that I've been trying to work on for two years. Uh, you know, they've gotten better, uh, and, but, you know, there's always room for improvement. Um you know, I think I have pretty good ball tracking skills and I run uh, pretty good routes, but at the next level, it's a different animal, uh, especially in the conferences that I'm getting, re schools that I'm getting recruited by. So I just want to, you know, sharpen as much as possible. And we've talked about it a little bit already. Uh, of course, your recruitment is still open. Um, a few different schools in the running, but what are some of the traits that, that you're kind of looking for in your school as you kind of work your way towards a decision? Uh, I would say... 
uh, big thing for me is the family aspect, uh, you know, having a school that I'm not only there for four years, but, you know, I'm going to be able to come back and visit and, you know, just have a place to call home that's not, you know, technically where I live. So I would think that and then, you know, big time football um, and then a program that, you know, is going to develop me into the best football player that I can be because my goal is to play in the NFL and I want to go to a place that can, you know, help me get there. Um, Back in May, it kind of looked like you had an idea and you were kind of um, set to make a commitment back then. What went into your decision to kind of delay that announcement? Uh, It was my family, uh, a lot to do with my mom. Uh, She she felt felt more comfortable if I uh, waited a little bit longer just to, you know, make sure I'm making the right decision. And we wanted to go on some visits in in the summer, but, you know, that got shut down with the NCAA. So hopefully um, we get some places, you know, in the fall. And, you know, hopefully if if I can get there uh, before the fall with the decision, then I'll make that decision. But if not, then I'll go on my officials and things like that in the fall and, you know, come to a decision then. Most definitely. You know, speaking of your visit, Wisconsin made their offer in April, and, and then you've been able to do a virtual visit, which is probably a little bit different than what most recruits have done in the past. But how did that kind of go, and, and just how different was it doing it virtually instead of in person? Uh, it was definitely different. Uh, I went on two in-person visits to schools. I've been to Rutgers, and I've been down to Georgia Tech. And, um, you know, those visits are definitely you get more out of the in-person visits, obviously, but the virtual visits are, are definitely cool because I think they, they go they go the extra mile to, you know, make sure that you're getting, you're seeing everything that you need to see, like on the Zoom calls and things like that. Like they showed me, um, I think, every, every foot of the campus. So um, I think that, you know, the virtual visits are, are, are definitely, you know, tough but you know in the end they they definitely get the job done because you you get to see uh, you know everything that you need to see you're just not there in person the only thing you can't feel is really the atmosphere and the people yeah I mean it's, it's just kind of making lemonade out of what you got kind of at this point um, but what has been the message by Wisconsin kind of the coaching staff to you about your game and kind of um, this recruiting process yeah so uh, I talked to coach Whitted and Coach Chris and Coach Turner a lot, and um, Coach Whitted tells me, you know, he thinks I can be, you know, a big-time receiver there. Uh, you know, they have a lot of kids graduating next year, and he thinks I can step in and hopefully, you know, work to work my way into a starting role. He didn't promise me anything, but he thinks that, you know, if I put in the work and, you know, the extra hours and, you know, get the plays down and things like that, I can, you know, make an impact on the field, which is what I want to do. And Coach Chris has the same thing. He says, you know, he likes my game. I'm explosive, I'm dynamic. You know, I can play uh, all three receiver positions. So they they all just want me to, you know, uh, they want me to be that there. I think their next guy to, you know, help Wisconsin uh, get to the next level. Yeah, most definitely. You know, a lot of those guys are, are very well spoken in what they've done on the recruiting trail. And speaking of the recruiting trail with this class that you may eventually be a part of, I know, uh, you're waiting to make a decision, but this class for Wisconsin has really been growing these last few weeks, and the guys that have made their commitment are probably putting on their recruiting hats to get after the guys that are still uh, waiting to make their decision. Has there any? Has there been any guys in the class that has really been pitching uh, Madison to you? Yeah, uh, they all they all hit me up. Uh, Jack, Loyal, uh, Deacon, Daryl, uh, TJ. Um, you know, they all have me on 
Twitter and, you know, some of them have me on Snap and Instagram and things like that. And they always, you know, text me and be like, hey, what you thinking? Like, how you feeling about Madison? And, you know, they say we, you know, they want me there and they're really, you know, trying to trying to get me there. And I appreciate that because they're I was on a Zoom call with them a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, they're really cool kids. And, you know, they seem like that class seems seems really great. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're getting that from a lot of different schools. That's kind of uh, how it rolls. But, um, you know, out of the schools that are currently recruiting you, are there some schools that are kind of recruiting you the hardest or showing you the most love at this time? Um, I, yeah, I would say there's a few schools that are probably, you know, sticking out more than others at this point. I would say um, Rutgers, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, West Virginia, and then Virginia Tech. Um those are probably the schools that I, you know, feel the most love from and talk to the most. And one of the teams that you, that you linked to uh, for a while was Iowa. And, of course, uh, there's been things that have gone on over the past week or so at Iowa. Has, has any of that changed your perspective at all with them? Um, I wouldn't say it changed my perspective. But, you know, I definitely take that into consideration, uh, you know, because uh, I was I have a great relationship with Coach Ferens and the whole staff over there. I've known them for two years now. They were my first offer, and I never got that that uh, vibe that you know that's going on in the news right now. But you know, I definitely take that into consideration. But I don't think it would be fair to you know just throw them out the window because of that uh, because I built such a great relationship, and I I think I know them well enough to know that you know they're going to try to put the program in the in the right place. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a mature way to, to kind of go about it because we've, we've seen a lot of reactionary stuff going on recently, uh, you know. So um, do you have any idea, though, I know you hinted at it, an idea of kind of a timeline, like in a perfect world um, for, for your recruitment? I would say in a perfect world, after I take uh, all five of my OVs is when I would probably make a decision. So that would probably be uh, into the fall after the season or maybe even during the season if, you know, I go on a visit and I'm like, man, I want to be here. Like, this is where I want to be, so. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. Uh, when you know, you know, and I'm sure those official visits will certainly help uh, as you make your way. Um, that wraps up our questions for you, Skyler. We really appreciate you having on, and no matter what the decision, of course, I know Matt and I are probably rooting for Badgers because we think you're a tremendously talented player. Uh, but Thank wherever you. you end up, uh, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, best of luck to you, Skyler. Yep. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll be back with you later in the week on Wisconsin.